0: Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Lancelot Leland Church building on the Bank of in the General Alliance of To Contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at www.dellancelian.co.uk I just want to maybe follow a little bit what I was sharing about last week. I'll, I'll probably use this guy, if that's all right. just talked a little bit about uh, living a life in the Spirit and based it on Ezekiel 47. So I just want to carry on a little bit from that. Uh, Ezekiel 47, and we're just going to read it again from verse 1. It's interesting when you study the the, the words and the The prophecies of the prophets. A lot of them came in visions. Some of them came in picture form, if you like. So they're often describing a picture of vision they had. It's often the way God communicated to many of the prophets. And here, Ezekiel, if you like, has a a vision, a picture of just this awesome river. Verse verse 1, it says, And he brought me back to the door of the temple. And there was water flowing from under the threshold, and the temple towards the east. From the front of the temple, faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate. The face is east, and there was also, and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand. He measured one thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. Again he measured one thousand and he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. Again he measured one thousand and brought me through the waters. came up to my waist. Again he measured one thousand and it was a river that I could not cross. And for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed, he said to me, son of, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes out to the valleys and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters will be healed. And there shall be that, every living thing that moves, wherever the, wherever the river goes, will live there will be a great multitude of fish because of these waters. Go there, for they will be healed, and everyone will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by the Engalad to the Engalium, and there will be places of spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed, and they will be given over to, the, given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees and their food. Leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. So, uh, probably stop reading there. Yeah, we've been thinking uh, about the, the, this river really and all the implications kind of of this river. Really what it's about when I think about this is that, you know, God's really, his goal for you, his goal for me really, is that we'd be people of habitation rather than visitation. Think about it. Visitation or habitation. I think often we've got to the point where often we we live in a, a place of visitation rather than habitation. What I mean by that is often God touches us and we have a, maybe a real encounter with God and it's amazing and awesome and God touches us, God moves in our life in some way. And the problem is often we, then after a few weeks we kind of lose it and go back to where we were before. And often a, a lot of people live their kind of life in that kind of yo-yo existence that they're touched by God, have an amazing encounter, amazing experience, then they go back and then they're back again. And that's not the way God wants us to live because that's visitation rather than being a people of... Habitation. Habitation means that, really, really means from Ezekiel's point of view, is that we learn to, to live in the river. It's, it's a continual day-to-day experience. We're not just in and out, but this is our this. This is habitual. We're habitually. We've learned to develop a way where we habitually encounter and live in the power and the experience of the Spirit. We can say Amen? Now. How many of you have ever read the writings of Brother Lawrence? Have you ever read the writings there? I think he was 16th, 17th century, wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And I love his letters because he talks, and they're basically they're not a book as a book we'd know it. They are letters that he wrote to people. And he, he and so much of those letters are full of ways that people can live habitually in God's presence. And the thing I kind of I kind of I suppose smile about a little bit. He talks about the when he did the washing up, you know, the washing up, remember all the washing up. He said he he was he became just as conscious and aware of the presence of God doing the wash ups than he did even when having his private his personal time with God. And that's really what we want. And this is what this river's all about. It's learning to on a day to day continual experience live in the flow of and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now look at verse 11. as It talks about swamps and marshes. And just because there was a river running, it didn't mean there wasn't swamps and marshes. In other words, at one time, at one point, that river, that marsh, at one point was a river but it'd become a swamp or marshland. What causes something to become a marsh or a swamp? A marsh or a swamp is a result of no outlet. And because there was no outlet, it became a swamp. And this is, I want you to see this one. This is one of the, I suppose, one of the powers of this. That the river that God pours into us, it's there so it can flow out of us. If there's no, if you like, if what God pours into us doesn't flow out of us, I think the danger often is that we become swamps. That can happen so much that that often God pours into us, but because there's no outlet, we're not releasing what God puts into us, we then end up becoming a swamp. And that's what this was. It was a swamp, marshland. Nothing grew there. There was no fruit. There was no productivity because there was no outlet. Jesus says, freely, freely, you have received. How many love that? Then freely, freely what? Give. And I found this. The greatest way for that river of God to flow in us it's just to release everything you have. The more you give away, the more you receive. For example, if I want to receive more love, and the best way to receive love is to give love out. The more that God works in me, I need to release it out. The more I pour out, the more I give out, the more I receive. It's really, basically, it's developing A lifestyle of blessing, that you look for ways and means, whether they be through words, whether it be by sharing your resources, whatever it is, you're constantly looking for a way to pour out. Looking for opportunities to share. Whatever it takes, you develop a lifestyle of giving, of pouring out. So as God pours into you, whatever it is, you pour it back out. And the more you do that, the more you will find that your life becomes an ever deeper, increasing river. If we just hold in what we get, then often the danger is that we end up being swamps. I think the history of, of, of the church has been... In many ways been that, and I think of great times where revival has come and God has moved by his spirit, but because people wanted to hold her in and were just looking for, for a blessing of what they could receive and never had an outlet of it, eventually that move of God became a swamp. What we receive, we need to constantly pour out. It says this, Everywhere the river flows, there is... Life. I was thinking actually, as I saw that as i as, as 've read through ezekiel forty seven very many times over the last few weeks, every day, read at least two or three times, I kind of saw in that it was almost a key to evangelism here 's the key there: drinking and the best definition is leaking or Or releasing. In other words, I drink and I release. It's having the kingdom released from our lives. Now there's the point. If I'm going to release something, if I'm going to release something, I first of all need to have received something. Is that right? I can't give something I've never received. Is that right? Is that right? If I've not received it, I can't give it. So the first key in releasing or drinking The first key to leaking or or releasing is to learn to drink. Now some may say, I don't like this term drinking. But you think about it. That's the very term Jesus used. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and what? Drink. If we learn to drink, then the result of that, this out of my innermost being, will flow what? Rivers? of living water. But it begins with drinking. So if I learn to drink, then the key is then I learn to release. Now it'd be pretty bad if all you ever did was drink. You know, can you imagine having ten, maybe ten glasses of water and you never learn, shall we say, to leak it, if I use that word I use that term, don't get offended. You know what I mean? It's going, to be, it's, going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. So, as Richard Rich there drinks his water, reminds me of a hey, good worth it. But we drink so that we can leak or we can release it. But the key is, if I'm not drinking, then I've got nothing to release. So I found this. We've got to learn to drink. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So there's the first key right there to drinking. Thirst. If any, in other words... The way I learn to drink is I first become thirsty for the waters of God. That's the key. If I'm not thirsty, then I won't receive. I won't be drinking if there's no thirst. So the first way to drink is to learn to say, God, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for your spirit. I'm thirsty for a flow and a move of God. So I become thirsty. As Tim said earlier, I become expectant. But Jesus said, if any man comes to me and drinks, then he will, if you're expectant, then out of his innermost being will flow waters. So I need to really believe if I, if I ask for living water, if I ask for the rivers of God, I'm expectant enough to believe I will receive it. And I come with a childlike desire attitude. I believe that is so much the key. Often we don't receive from God because we want to reason it out. Because we want to work it out. But if if I come with a childlike heart that really believes if I ask Jesus and say, Lord, I'm thirsty, I'm yearning for more of your spirit, then I will receive. And I have a childlike attitude that just opens my heart and says, Lord, I want to receive all that you have for me. I'm thirsty. I'm desirous for more and more of your spirit. And if you have those kind of attitudes, then there's the key. That out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. I found more and more. You know what God's really looking for? is looking for good receivers. You know in sport, if I use that term, the most effective teams are teams that learn to receive. They learn to to position themselves to receive the ball or whatever sport that is. Being good receivers is the key to, to being a good team. And the key to moving with God is being good receivers and good releasers we learn to receive and learn to release, I think we're going to have an incredible evangelistic impact. Why do I say that? Because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They had a big drink. And out of their drink, they released what they received. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit fell down. And they were filled and they released and they, re- and they leaked what God poured into them. And they said this, we are not drunk as you, as people suppose we are. In other words, they were saying, we are drunk, but not in the way you think we're drunk. We are drunk with the new wine of the Spirit. And as they began to release what God poured into them, the Bible says 3,000 were added that day. In other words, they... As the people were drawn, as the people gathered around them, there was something that was upon them that people said to them, we must have what you have. What must we do to get saved? As, as we're experiencing and seeing what God is doing in you, then we want what you have. How many believe that's an incredible key right there? That's why Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine which, which leads to debauchery but be ye filled with the spirit. You know the word debauchery means? I looked at what the word means. It means basically that you lose your inhibitions. Isn't it amazing? When someone gets really drunk, they lose their inhibitions. They sing songs, a karaoke that are embarrassing. You know, they may even dance on the table. They will sing out of tune, but they will sing. They will talk to anybody. There's a the problem with social media. People are videoing that. And then they see next day on YouTube, and it's, oh, did I really do that? Did I really say that? Did I really behave in that kind of way? Actually, that's why people seriously do drink because they want to lose their inhibitions. That's why they do, they, they want to lose their inhibitions. They feel inhibited in life, so they want to lose inhibition. That's why often people drink. Because when they go out, they want to lose inhibitions. In the same way, dare I say, that's what the Spirit does. It enables us to lose our inhibitions. The things that hold us back from sharing the gospel is often because we feel inhibited or we feel intimidated to share it. The things that hold us back from being all that God calls us to be is because we feel inhibited. We don't feel we can do all that God's called us to because we feel inhibited in doing that. The things, you know, I found this. Whatever God calls you to do, you'll never be able to do it in your own natural power and your natural ability. Is that right? But when I get filled with the Holy Spirit, then all my inhibitions, the things that hold me back from being all that God's caused me to do, suddenly begin to remove and disappear. Let me say I need to be filled with the Spirit. Because the more filled I am, the more the things that hold me and limit me and restrict me become to be broken. You can say amen. Now, go down to. Let's go down a bit. Uh, Let me ask you a question this morning, thinking about that. And incidentally, I don't know why this has come to me. You know what causes the Spirit to flow? You know what oil does? It lubricates things, doesn't it? It enables things to flow. And I was thinking about this, actually. What causes the Spirit to flow out of us is the lubrication of joy. Anointed with the oil of joy. So the more the Spirit impacts me, the more joyful I'm going to be, and the more it's going to flow from and out of my life. Jesus used the word blessed. Sometimes we lose sorrow. You know what the word blessed means? It's from a Greek word that means makareto, which basically means the greatest amount of happiness anybody could ever have. And Jesus says many times, blessed, 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 blessed. And he was saying the greatest amount of happiness anybody can have is when they have this kind of attitude. He says, you're going to be incredibly, exceedingly happy when you have the attitudes that are right there and in the B attitudes, incidentally. In fact, Alexander the Great, I'm told, look for a word that would describe people who would have the greatest, exceeding happiness you could ever have. And that's what they came up with. We translated it, blessed it, but actually it means to be exceedingly happy. The greatest level of happiness you can ever have. And that's what the Spirit of God wants to bring in our lives. he say, Amen. Now, I was thinking about this. How do you know if you're living in a swamp? How do you know if you've, if you've come, out, come into a, a spiritual swamp? Hebrews 6 tells us that we are to lay aside the elementary teachings, the elementary things, to lay them aside. It doesn't mean you forget them, it just means go on to greater things and deeper things. Ever thought about what those things talk about? They talk about repentance from dead works. Talks about baptisms. Talks about the laying of hands. Talks about the doctrine of the second coming of eternal things. And Hebrews says they are foundational things and they're important that you build your life on those foundations, but you go on from that. And then often is the problem that we often actually are still living in elementary truths. We've often times, people have never really moved on from the basics. They've never moved on from the very foundation, the very basic things of, of, of the Christian life. And that's how we say, if I'm still living in the, the truths I received when I first became a Christian, and I've never moved on from that then the ultimate result will be I'll be in a swamp. Which means I need to be continually receiving new truths and new revelations from God. New truths, new revelations from God. Because if I'm not receiving new things from God, new revelations, new truths from God, and I'm not moving on from from what I received 10, 5, 5, 10 years ago, and I'm not moving on from that, then I end up being in a swamp. How many are glad that God is continually revealing things? As I've got to be continually receiving new truths that God wants to impact to me. And dare I say it's even more than that. It's actually living those truths as present truths. Because there's the point. Sometimes God will speak to us. Sometimes God will give us a revelation about certain things. And we live it, but then we kind of lay it aside and no longer live it out in our lives. For example, you may have had an incredible truth that how that you need to really know and experience and encounter the love of God we talked about in the last few months. But There's a danger when problems and discouragements come we can lay aside that present truth and lose it. Maybe you had a revelation about the importance of forgiveness how you need to forgive people and forgive them. But here's the problem. Sometimes when people fail us and let us down, we lose that present truth and we lay it aside and we no longer live out that truth in our life. And I think so much of what takes place, God gives us truths, the enemy comes and tries to pull us away from that truth and the moment we, we lose that truth and no longer live out that truth, it just becomes a swamp. I think another test is this. Um, am, am I receiving? Have I got new stories? Have I got new testimonies? Have I got? Is God doing, continuing new things in my life? Are there new things that God is doing in my life? Because if God's not doing new things, if, if all I've got is old stories to tell, let me put it another way. I think we should have continually. New testimonies to tell what God's doing in my life on a continual basis. If all I've got is old stories, if all I've got are old experiences to tell, if I've got no new stories, no, no new history in God, no new things God is doing in me, then the truth is I've become a swamp. Because when God's moving in me, there always will be new stories. New encounters, new experiences, new things that God would be pouring into my life. Because listen, he's the God of what? New things. Behold, I do a new thing. The old is gone. The new has come. Continue in my life. Notice what it says. Wherever that river went, everything changed. Nothing was the same. And there's a good way to, to measure of how much of that river is coming into us. I'm not really changing if you and I don't see any changes in our life and there's no progress it's often because the river is not flowing in the way it needs to be I think when the Holy Spirit when the river of God is flowing in you you become different there's a joy there there's an energy there to do things for God there's an enthusiasm there There's a passion there that you begin to pray in ways you've never prayed before. There's a new hunger for his presence. There's a new hunger and a desire for his word. Jesus becomes more and more real to you because that's what the river came to do. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. He came to make Jesus more real. And if the river's flowing, Jesus will become more and more real to you you love in ways you never thought you could love before. Everything about you will change on a continual daily basis because wherever the river flows, nothing remains the same. And here's what it said. Where the river didn't flow, it became salty. You know what I mean by that? How many have known those times? But one of the ways you can tell when the Spirit of God is not flowing in you is that you have a salty attitude. You know what I mean by salty? There's that kind of saltiness about life. There's a a salty heart, a salty attitude. I tell you that, the only thing that can change it, the only thing that can ever change us, I'm near glad, it's the river. And quickly as I move on. Wherever the river went, it changed. And the first level that came was it went into ankle deep. In other words, they got into the river, but not enough for the river to control them. It's this picture of people who have never really given themselves to the current of the river. They are living in God's minimum rather than God's maximum. And I think often it's a danger sometimes... God has made these... <coughs> i have the water, I'm talking about water. But often we can be living in such a low level of God, what God wants for us, we, we miss out on so much of the resources that God has for us. All the resources of heaven, all the incredible resources that God has made available to us. But so often we're living on such a small percentage of what God wants to make available to us. We can have all the resources of heaven, but someone said we can be living in the puddles of God. Listen to what C. H. Spurgeon. Never heard of C. H. Spurgeon? He said this: Some Christians sail their boats in such low spiritual waters that the keel scrapes all the way to heaven, instead of being carried to heaven in a flood tide. That's what God wants us. He wants us to live in a flood tide. You can you say Amen? See, that's the only way you'll ever be victorious in your Christian life. is when you're living in the fullness and the flood tide of the river of God. Isn't that wonderful? You know what? It's almost sometimes we can live our lives, there's almost like a lid on us, like a lid. We can never seem to break through and never get beyond. There's two things that often cause us to live a life under a lid that lives in this minimum experience. Sometimes we feel as if we've gone as far as we can. How many really glad that God's not limited to your age, God's not limited to your education, God's not limited to your ability. The only thing that limits God is our expectation of what He can do in and through us. And so God doesn't want you to live in His in minimum; He wants you to flow into His maximum. And God has unlimited resources. Can you say amen? And He wants you to draw on those resources as you press in, as you get hungry, as your expectation, you draw on what God wants. So the key today is say, Lord, I want to go deeper. I don't want to experience. I don't want to live in, in your minimum. I want to come into your maximum of what you have for my life. Very quickly. Next thing was it went up, went up to their knees. And the Hebrew word there for knees means to kneel and to bless. In other words, if I'm going to go deeper in the river, I need to submit to it. I just submit to the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And if I would do that, I'd be amazed what God could do with me. You know what? God could do more in one moment than we could do in a hundred lifetimes. Amen? He can do so much more than we can ever do. I found more and more the answer is learning to let the river flow in me. That's the only answer. You can't talk often, no matter how hard you try. You'll never talk taught yourself out of depression. You never talk yourself out of out of out of Heaviness. You never talk yourself out of those things. But I found this. If the river would just flow in you, then you would know this incredible joy that God produces. When you're troubled, when you're anxious, when you're worried about things, if we would let that river flow, that river will bring a peace. If there's things that you can't control in your life, Certain habits, a temper, something that seems to have constant control over you. And you've tried to conquer it time and time again. You've tried everything you know, but you just can't seem to get the victory over it. When I was a teenager, a few years ago now, maybe ten years ago, a few years ago, I used to go fishing. I, did, I used to love fishing. I used to go fishing. I used to go to the River Seven. I used to in and those sort of places, and I used to love going fishing there. And one of the things that used to strike me sometimes, if you didn't really, sometimes you'd go, and almost there was this, what happened was maybe in Wales, wherever the river came from, that had a heavy rainfall, and that heavy rainfall would cause the river almost a flood. And what used to be such a, you know, you could just fish there, no problem. Suddenly now the river is so strong, it's so powerful, All you can do is gaze on it. But the thing used to amaze me as I used to look at that river was all the rubbish used to carry down. There'd be trunks flowing in it. There'd be, because it's near Birmingham, there'd be all kinds of, you know, plastic bottles and all kinds of stuff, all flowing down this river. As that river flowed, it just flushed away all the rubbish. And I found that more and more with the River of God. The more that river flows in us, it begins to flush out all the rubbish in us. All the things that hold us back, all the things that bind us and, and hold us grip, as that river flows in us, it flushes away, you 'll be amazed, all the rubbish, all the stuff that flows out of us, when that river begins to flow, and that's the answer. We just submit to that river. Now time's going to make. Let me just say this. He went up to the ankles, to the loins—sorry, to the knees—and then we're told it went to the loins. Well, you turn me to Genesis 2, verse 10. Genesis 2, verse 10. Now the river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The word there, Eden, means delight or pleasure. In other words, God wants to release a river in you, so strong, so powerful, that it causes everything to grow in your life. Because when he speaks of the loins, that in the Bible is is a picture of of, of reproduction. That's what causes us to be fruitful and productive. And he says that because the river flowed, it created a garden. And I was thinking about this how God flows in our lives so we we produce a, a garden life like. You think about it, a garden is a result of seeds that are sown. And I think God gives us seeds that He wants us to sow. We can sow seeds of our talents, of our prayer of finance. All these things are seeds. Someone said this, if you don't like what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing. And it may not be difficult things. It might be smile more often. You know, you know a smile can change an atmosphere? It's absolutely true. A smile can change an atmosphere. You'll be amazed at what one smile can do. I mean, for example, I'll give you an example. Just We went for a meal recently. When went in, I spoke to the waitress, she says, you are and she was just rude all the time, just totally rude. And I only know that wasn't a good atmosphere. Then, just a few months later, this lady, other, other, other girl came and said, How are you? Good to see you. Can I do anything for you? What do you want? And she was smiling and she was happy. I tell you what, the whole atmosphere, you almost wanted to buy things and eat things. Because the whole atmosphere changed because one girl kind of smiled and had a kind of smiley, kind of joyful kind of attitude. So maybe it's to smile more. Maybe it's to forgive quicker. Maybe it's to obey easier. Maybe it's not to get upset so easy. Maybe it's to spend more time in prayer. Maybe it's to do more acts of blessing. They are just ordinary seed. But if you will plant those seeds, God will cause a river to flow and something extraordinary will begin to flow in our lives. Maybe it's about to change your attitude. Instead of complaining, you have gratitude instead of what looking instead of looking for what's wrong, you begin to look what's right. In other words, these are all seeds. As I begin to plant those seeds, the river of God's going to connect with those seeds, and it's going to produce an incredible abundance—a garden in your life, a garden in your heart. He says of Isaac. Isaac planted in drought. And sometimes we do it even when it's hard. We keep praying when it's hard. We keep praising when things seem to be against us. We keep holding on to the word when everything is contrary to that. We keep praying. We keep doing acts of blessing. We just keep doing the things even at times when it's a hard season, when things aren't really working in our life. But we keep planting the seeds. We keep doing it. And I guarantee you this. It says of Isaac that when he planted in the drought, eventually he reaped, the Bible says, a hundredfold. And if we keep sowing the seeds, eventually God will begin to work. Eventually God will bless. Eventually God will begin to move and work. Let me close with this. I haven't got time to go into it in great detail, but let me say this. As that river began to flow in such incredible ways. You know what amazed Ezekiel? As that river flowed, he looked around him and the whole landscape changed. It was different. There was no trees there before. There was nothing growing, nothing really happening. But the moment that river flowed, as he began to look again, he noticed everything had changed. The whole landscape had totally and utterly changed. Dare I say today that this is an incredible picture of what God does when the river comes. Read really a picture of revival. I'm convinced if this river of God, would, re- if we'd allow it to flow, and it just would flow through Guernsey, I think the whole of Guernsey can be changed. You know, I'll close with this. In Wales, as you know we are there a few years, we actually went to the chapel where the revival happened. And we went there, Just we took, Caddis brought some guys from the message, one of the intercessors, and we, we took him to this chapel. That's where, that's where the revival happened. He went to see, so we took him to this revival. When that revival happened, and it began there, people, there's a pub, and it's not too far away, ran into the church, and all got saved. Just people, just in the pub, ran out of the pub, and all got saved. So here we are, I don't know, a lot of years later. And so we got this guy, he's an intercessor. And he starts praying outside this church, this chapel, for God to do it again. And when he prayed, I'm telling you, it was a, you could hear him miles away, absolutely screamed at the top of his voice. Before we knew it, there were people in that pub were coming out to find out what was going on, and we shared Jesus with them, we talked with them, we prayed with them, all because of that. Happened. And I thought, wow, that's what happened those hundred years ago. As the Spirit of God moved, people just came and flooded. And it was such an amazing river that hit Wales. The police stations were empty. The policemen were literally redundant. When miners spoke to their horses, as they did in those days, the horses couldn't understand them because the horses were used to the miners swearing at them. And they they couldn't obey them because they didn't know what they were saying. In other words, the whole culture, the whole environment changed as the river of God Really flow. And we want that yearning in their hearts. Really, it's not going to be a program that's going to do it. It's not going to be a method. It's the river of God flowing and moving. That's really going to change everything around us. If anything, this morning, my assignment this morning, is to get you drowned. Fully immersed in the river. Fully given to him. It's not just about getting into the river. It's the river Getting inside me. Let's just bow our heads and it's coming forward right now for we she we would just come back in these months. I to mean, let's all just stand for a few moments and see when we're fully immersed in that river everything will change. Everything about you will just be changed. You become more fruitful. Become more purer. I think you become more satisfied. How many believers really, really, really are living a sense of dissatisfaction? So much as the river flows, it creates an incredible sense of being satisfied and, and content with who you are and what is God doing in you. If any man is thirsty, that's the issue, if we're thirsty. If we're not, then okay. But if any man is thirsty, then come and get a drink. And if you get a drink, then out of your innermost being, is going to flow rivers that are just going to impact, influence, touch. God touches you so that you can touch somebody else. And because God has touched you, what you touch changes because he first touched you. So maybe if you want to this morning, just put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, cause that river to flow me this morning. I need a river. I need your river to flow me. We're not going to pray for people this morning, but just where you are. Just ask the Lord to touch you where you are. Say, Lord, I'm desperate for that river to flow. I want to impact. I want to influence in a sense, I want to drink. I'm thirsty. I want to cause the rivers in me just to be released. To change everything around me. Do you realize the potential in you has the potential to change every little thing around you? People can be changed. Houses can be changed. Families can be changed. Communities can be changed because of what's in us. Earth and vessels with all kinds of weaknesses, with all kinds of vulnerabilities, people who are not perfect, but even though we're earthen vessels in us, is this incredible treasure. The treasure of Christ within. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you this morning in this place. We say, would you flow this morning as a river in our hearts? They come, Holy Spirit. Release your river, I pray in every heart, in every life. Let your river flow. Let your river flow right now, Lord. Let your river flow, I pray, in every heart and every life. And Lord, we, we would want to release that which you pour into us today. into all kinds of situations. We want to release the river that you pour in us, Lord. Release it, we pray, in Jesus' name. Release that river Lord, we don't want to live in defeat. We don't want to live in famine. We don't want to live in a swamp. But we want to live in the river. The river of God. Cause your river to be released and to flow in every heart, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Just these moments, just welcome him right now into your heart, into your life for a few moments. Just spend time receiving from him. You can't give unless you first receive. So spend a few moments just receiving from him. Just receiving of the Holy Spirit. Having a drink that's so deep and so powerful, it's going to flow out of you. Let's spend a few moments just welcoming the Holy Spirit and then we'll just worship in a few moments. Let's spend a few moments saying, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Flow in me, Holy Spirit. Flow in me like a river. Let your river flow in. Thank you for listening to this great download from Delancey Ealing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.